And welcome to episode 37 of Ripping the Rack podcast. I am your co-host, Tim. With me today is my co-host, Brian. Brian, how are you, buddy? I am good. How are you, Tim? I am just fantastic. And special guest in the studio today. Not really. Just sounded good. We have uh, arguably, I will argue this, the best bowler in the state of Maine right now. Um, I am saying that on record. Only because, only because he's never truly bowled me in a match. Uh, it's Chris Merrill. Hey, guys. How are we doing? Chris, how you doing, buddy? Oh, not bad. Yeah? Thanks for, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming thanks on. For being here. Absolutely. How are the girls? Uh, sleeping, thankfully. For now. Uh, for now. Well, you know, I got the oldest out in the living room if, if need be, so. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, she's reached that age where it's like, watch your sisters. Yes, yes, please, please try and do it. But the other, t- the other two are ones that would probably have her tied up when I go back out. But that's okay. <laughs> Daddy, we gave each other haircuts. Oh no. Oh, oh I tell you. All right. Lo- love them to death, but they're crazy. Yeah. See, this is where I, I, I have no idea what it's like for you because I had three boys. So yeah. Yeah. I have I, one boy. I I I don't, I don't understand everybody. how how you guys do multiples. I have one. <laughs> well, look, technically I have one. Well, yeah, the two boys you love like they're, they're your own. So absolutely, I do. Yeah, um, and I only have one that I know of. Maybe there's some out there. <laughs> I don't. Did you know. go on spring break? Is there a little a little uh, Central American Timmy running around going Buenos Dias? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no comment. Um, well, uh, I, I will decline to answer that. I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. The fifth? Is? Okay. Yeah, going to plead the fifth. Um, so we do have, uh, we're going to jump right in because we, we, we've got a, we've got an agenda today. Jam-packed agenda on this January uh, evening, which 19th. you'll be listening to this. Uh, well, we're recording on the 18th. It'll be the 19th. And yeah. after the 19th comes the 20th. And you know what's after the 20th? Anyone? New president. Uh, the 21st. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a little lined <laughs> up right now. I, I, I apologize up front. I'm fucking tired. It's been a, it, it, it's been a well, Monday. Hey, 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 and a little bit of dark humor. You know, I'm a video game guy. So Capcom is releasing new Resident Evil news. And for those that don't know, Resident Evil is a video game about a biological virus that turns people into zombies. And they're releasing it on the 21st on a Thursday when typically they do all of their announcements on a Wednesday. But they said that January 20th could be a real survival horror for everybody. So we will wait a day. (laughs) That is true. little dark humor there. Little, little dark humor. Yes. Um, so we do have uh, we do have some questions, um, which is great. Thank you for uh, thank you to our listeners for for sending questions in. Uh, we do appreciate that. So uh, the first question comes from uh, north of the border, uh, from our friends in Canada, which we haven't seen in a year. Um, we miss you. Yes, we do. I I, I miss Putin. Well, we missed some of them. Let's let's be honest. You can't say all. Uh, of them. 
I well, Do we really miss Kelvin. Yeah. And the yes, hat stuck. And, and no. <laughs> uh, and this is for Angela. The Habs do suck. Yes. Because we but got three the, Bruins fans right here. But the Bruins did lose. You do. Nothing. Uh, they yes. got, they've got yes, no they offense did. right now. What, why are they playing it for? Uh, Martin Luther King. Oh, holiday. They're, play, they're playing it for tomorrow. They are? Yeah. Oh, they have five today and four tomorrow. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully they score a goal because they haven't in two games, and uh, or they haven't scored an they haven't scored an even strength goal in three games. That's pretty fun. So anyway, north of the border, uh, they would like to know uh, if we have uh, experienced anyone getting concussed in a bowling alley. <laughs> Legit question. Like, says, like, like via fist fight? Or... It says, have you ever heard of someone getting a concussion in a bowling alley? Uh, and I can answer that um, in the affirmative. I have actually seen it twice. Um, the, the first time um, I, will, I will say was during a tournament in Bangor. Uh, Elbow Doherty took a bowling ball off the top of the noggin. Um, for those of you that remember Elbow um, and remember him bowling, I should say, um, he had a very, uh, very high backswing, meaning his backswing came way up and then he would come down. And when he came up, the ball slipped out and went straight up <laughs> and straight down on the top of his noggin. I was one lane over from him and I think I almost pissed my pants. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Which, I look back now, and Elbow, I'm really sorry for that. Um, I should have probably checked on you first instead of <laughs> literally laughing so hard I had to sit down. Um, that was the first one. The second one was in, uh, and I forget who it was, was it a league uh, at uh, what is now Stars and Strikes, was Oxford Hill uh, when I was growing up. Um, guy was sitting on the bench. Uh, between lane four and five, and if you've bowled at Oxford Hills and you know that those benches are within a foot or so of the actual lane, and they were sitting facing the lane with their, you know, kind of like this with their hands on their legs, and the person bowling took like two steps, arms come back, the ball slips out straight right into the five head. And, uh, headshot. headshot yeah. he, went, he went down... Um, General hilarity ensued before we should probably check on him. Uh, he gets up and big old knot right there. Oh my god! So yes, I, I have. Have you guys? And anyone? I I have. Um, if you bowled at Oakland Park um, on lane one, on the left, it goes into the approach a little bit. Is an I beam. And there was a uh, young man who was bowling in the summer league and got very excited when he threw a strike and turned around and walked dead smack into the I-beam. <laughs> it, it looked like someone pulled a carpet out from under him. His feet slipped, went forward and he went backwards. And he actually wound up like three or four stitches wound right in the middle of his forehead. <laughs> oh, God, I shouldn't laugh, but that, is, that really is funny. 
it, it was always called right turn after a while when you thought you were going to throw a strike. Right turn, don't turn left. Don't turn left, <laughs> right. That's, no, that's, I, I've never, I've never seen a concussion or anything. Um, Bowl and Auburn Lanes had a close call once. Someone, same thing, happened with Tim at Sergeant Strikes the Ball. Kind of got here's thrown my, behind. My, <laughs> to Auburn Lanes. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. So no, he, you know, they let the ball go and it hit the the scoring table right in the middle. Now I was sitting on one side. There was a girl sitting on the other side, and it, just, it hit the portion right in the middle. So I was. About that close from getting one, but never had the the sight of a concussion. But I did fall in the gutter at Auburn Lanes, if that's close. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> fall in the gutter at Auburn Lanes. I think I just I think it was a little slippery that one time, and I just I I slipped, fell right in the gutter, sprained my wrist. I left the I left the Wii, come back later in the afternoon with a cast, you know, one of those soft ones up past because I sprained my wrist, you know. Things you do as kids, you know? Oh, I hate Auburn Lanes. It's so, where I grew uh, up. I know, and, and I shouldn't speak ill of Auburn Lanes because it is no longer there, even though I do flip off the site every time I go by it. <laughs> the apartment uh, buildings that are there. Tim, well, yep. What was it about it that you did not like, Tim? I never bowled there. Okay, so I have, for a short guy, a fairly long approach. I take a three-and-a-half-step approach, but they're fairly long steps. I charge the line. I get aggressive during that. So when I go to a house that has an eight-foot or nine-foot approach, I can't remember right off the top of my head. Yeah. It was it was not long. It was, it was short. It was really like, short. Bangor has always had short approaches, and I always – I mean, I've bowled well in Bangor. Some of my bigger scores are in Bangor, but I've always struggled – with the fact that it's about a foot too short of an approach for me. Well, take another five feet off from that, and that's what you have at Auburn Lanes. They were like, they were like either eight to ten foot approaches. Yeah. So, take the short approach, and then you throw in shitty pinfall, <laughs> and and then you throw in uh, an owner that probably didn't like me all that much. Um, <laughs> so we had a tournament there. Um, I forget if it was an opens or a pro tour. I'm guessing it was an opens because I just don't remember any of our main pro tours ever bowling at Auburn Lanes. And um, I was down, and I forget, Chris, how many lanes did they have? It was 16? They had 16, yeah. Okay. 16. So I am at, on the right hand side, I'm on like 15 or 16. I'm up near the wall. Right towards the wall, yeah. And so now you take, and I think I was on 16 because if I'm not mistaken, that wall was right up, almost like when almost like Stars and Strikes. Yep. Stars and Strikes. Correct. Okay, yep. Brian, you'd you would have loved it because I know how much you love having that wall right well, there. Well, yeah, because it's great because I always tell if my arms in the slot or not because if <laughs> it's not, I'm yeah. Bang. <laughs> yeah. So you take the short approach, you take the wall right there, you take the fact that I was not bowling well that day. And back Shot, then, I might have had a, I might have had a little bit of an attitude back then. No, just a little but, one. Yeah, <laughs> people say I did. I mean, who, I, who am I to say if I did or not? You know. Um, so I, I had, I was in, I don't know, back half somewhere, seventh straight, seventh box, sixth box, something like that, and I did a skip lob, literally 
I mean, you've seen how you guys have seen how low I get to the ground. Well, not so low now, but how, used low to. I, how low yeah. I used to get. I very rarely lobbed it unless I was purposely trying to lob it. Well, I skip lobbed it. Chip Irish, who was the owner at the time. Uh, what was the wife's name, Chris? Um, Pat. Pat. So okay. it was Chip had the whistle, blows the whistle. I turn around and I said, he says, you know, lane 16. I said, for what? He goes, lob. I'm like, I didn't lob it. He goes, yes, you did. <laughs> oh, really? I said, no, oh. I didn't. I said, I, it's a skip lob. A skip lob is not a lob. And I had like a good leave. It was like a one of my only eight or nine pin drops that I can remember. And he said, nope, I blew the whistle. You lobbed it. I said, nope, that was not a lob. Yes, it was. Don't argue with me. Okay. <laughs> Something that you should not tell me when I'm in that mood. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yes. So I calmly pressed the button. I calmly picked up my bowling ball. I turned around and looked at Chip and I said, get your whistle ready. You're about to see a lob. And I proceeded to launch one. Now they had, I, I don't know what you'd call them, hanging down from the Masking unit, well, banners, no, banners had, type thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was before the masking unit itself. Yeah. Um, oh, like a I, like a scores board or something. Yes. Yes. Uh, similar. Yeah. So I yeah. proceeded to launch it just below that. Lands about a half to three quarters of the way down the lane. Dead silence. Everybody around me knows that I just lobbed it. They're like, <laughs> "Oh shit!" No whistle. So I turned around and I looked at him. He's staring right at me. Picked up my ball and said, you might want to put your lips on the whistle because this one's going to get even further. And I proceeded to launch it just a bit further where it one bounced into the pins. Um, I got a letter from the ICB, not ICB, from the main, from the association. Um, a, a polite warning letter, basically, that said, cut the shit. Um, you know, Mark Smith and I, I think, were going back and forth at one point to, with who had the most letters. Um, <laughs> uh, we, it was like a collection. It was like a it was like a badge of honor at the time. Um, were you like To and and uh, Randy Moss just trying to get more uh, more personal file penalties? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then you put Mark and I together as doubles partners. <laughs> It's like Dennis Rodman and Bill Lambier. Oh God, we had fun though. Holy shit. Anyway, so that's my that's my Auburn Lane story. So every time I go by it, I flip it off. <laughs> flip it off. And then the, 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 the old lady sitting in the window in the apartment building is wondering why this forty nine year old man flipping her off, you know. Is that my grandson? <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't buy you a Game Boy for Christmas in 1982. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, we got a more serious question now um, from a listener. Uh, Brendan O'Dowd would like to know. Uh, he says, hi, guys. In a previous episode, you discussed the ICBA Hall of Fame process. If it were up to you, how would the Hall of Fame be chosen instead, and who should be on the committee? So we'll start there. And then I'll go into this next set of questions after that. Um, Brian, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you first. Um, so it's up to me. How should it work? 
I think you should have any uh, any living member of the Hall of Fame should have a vote. Um, the nominations, I, I think you should be able to be nominated by anybody the same way you are now. Uh, I think you got to lower the age a little bit just so, you know, some of these guys can still bowl maybe when they get in a little bit or I, I don't know. Um, it'd be hard to choose like a committee, I think. I mean, the guys in there, it should just be, you should have to apply to be on a committee and then the guys in the hall choose you to be on the committee. That's, yeah, there we go. That's my long way to a short answer. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's kind of the same thing. You know, it's hard to, you know, who who has the ability to vote who goes in, who gets to pick and choose who goes in, um, you know, especially like Brian said, I think those in the Hall of Fame, you know, definitely I think believe should get a vote, um, you know, as part, as part of being in the Hall of Fame, you have that right to be able to vote the next person in line. Um, and I agree with Brian bringing the age down a little bit because what is it now? 50? 50. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, I think dropping the age a little bit, um, you know, so you have that opportunity to bowl a little bit afterwards. But I mean, as far as a committee goes, um, you know, it's hard. How do you, how do you determine who, who gets to be part of that committee? I think, I think it's a hard, hard thing to do. Okay. I, uh, I'm going to start with a committee question first um, because I, I have given this some some thought. Um, there should be two people from each state and two people from each province that should be on this committee. Mm-hmm. So what's that? A total of uh, 10 people. Two from Mass, two from New Hampshire, two from Maine, two from New Brunswick, two from Nova Scotia. Yep. Uh, I do not agree with the fact that there are a lot of Canadian bowlers that get left out of the, the Hall of Fame because they, the house they bowl in are not members of the association. And will continue to be left out and will continue to be left. stupid rule is in effect. Yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Um, I think it should be the Candleton Bowling Hall of Fame or the International Candleton Bowling Hall of Fame, which is ICBA, International Candleton Bowling Association, I'd get rid of the association and just make it a Hall of Fame. Um, I think who, how would the Hall of Fame be chosen? I think it should be nominated from the home house they bowl in. They're the ones that see them every, every week. They're the ones that know the tournaments they've won, or for the most part, I should say. Um, you know, things of that nature. Um the hard part is, unlike your major sports that are seen worldwide and have stats up the ass that you can just go to Google and look, there is nothing like that with Candleton Bowling. I can't go on to a website and say, I wonder how Chris did you know, three years ago. Right. And you pull it up three years ago, and while Chris had a, Chris had a tournament average of a, you know, 128 and a league average of 125 and his high string was this and, you know, which would cool concept. I mean, why we don't have something like that. I have no idea. Sounds to me like the ICBA should man up and do something like that. Well, it sounds to me like Candleton Bowling needs something like a gin system in golf. 
Yep. You have an app. You just plug your scores in every week, and you carry like a, a like a tournament card. Proves all your scores, and it's a, it's your ever changing handicap, and it's what you are to that point. It you takes know. your last ten games, you know, that you've bowled. It'll, as you you bowl eleven, one drops off, and now it's two to eleven. You know, it's it's a rolling average. Yeah. Yep. I, I just I look at I look at things like that, and and uh, to me that it, it's really hard to nominate someone for the Hall of Fame. It's not easy. You have a form that you got to fill out. The form is not simple to fill out. If, God forbid, you don't know, you can't fill it out yourself. So, like, for example, Chris, let's say in 15 years, when you get up near 50 years old, sorry, 18 years, when you get up near 50 years old, <laughs> okay, if you continue bowling and you have the career, the longevity, you can't nominate yourself and say, well, this is what I've done. Right. No, you've got to have me or Brian or someone else Put it all together. That's a lot. That's a lot of work. And send it in for you. Right. Okay. So if you don't keep track of this stuff, and a lot of people don't, I didn't. I I, the only reason I know some of my stuff is I found, I think three quarters of my plaques that have what I've won. I don't know everything I've won because I don't. I didn't keep track. I didn't think I was gonna. I didn't think I was gonna have the career I had 20 years ago, and I certainly didn't think it was gonna go as long as it has. So you take someone young like you, Chris, that's you know really the last five or six years has been a fucking hell of a bowler. If you kept that up, if you don't keep track of this shit, you don't get into the Hall of Fame when you when you potentially deserve to do it. Right. No, I mean and. Where I am right now, I, st- I haven't kept track of much of anything. Even these last three or four years, you know, the well, stretch I'm, I've had. I'm telling you right now. To do it. Start, no, seriously. Yeah, yeah no, start, absolutely. Start keeping track. At least you have a few years where you can kind of go back in your head and say, okay, I know I did this. I know yeah. I did this. Yeah. Um, I know I've done that. And seriously, start, keep, start keeping track. So Won uh, an elimination title. Sorry, Tim. Oh, where's that delete button? <laughs> no, but you know you. Yeah, but you know, Chris, you won it when you didn't have to bowl me. You're so right. You're, abso- a, you're a, absolutely right. It's a tainted title. A tainted you had title. high average at the Worlds in 2019. Yep. Correct. I did. I did. Yeah. So that's if you have that book, you should keep that book. Yeah. From that year's Worlds. You know these these are the things that. So how would it be chosen? I mean, look, you've got to have a way to to verify these things you know if if rusty still owns a bowling alley 18 years from now and they want to put you in they've got to be able to verify it some way somehow right which is why i why i wish we had this database of something where you could put all this in because again i can go to baseballreference.com all three of us are baseball fans yeah. I, I would pretty much guarantee that all three of us at one point or another has gone on to baseballreference.com and seen, <laughs> oh, this, this guy batted 482 with runners in scoring position in a night game on a day ending in Y with a left-handed, when, with a left-handed I, pitcher 
in the third moon of a trimester. I mean, <laughs> the first time I remember seeing that was I looked up Billy Travers after I met him at the Worlds one year yep. to see like him as a pitcher. He was good. Yeah, he was good. His All Star ring was huge. Yep. <laughs> so there, there is that. Um, and then the second, the second part of this. Uh, it's a more general question, Chris. I'm going to start with you. Um, you know, what makes someone a Hall of Famer in your eyes? And it's a two-part, so don't answer that just yet. Okay. Uh, so what makes a Hall of Famer in your eyes, and what sort of metrics are you going to use kind of for the next generation who don't have the TV shows? Or, like in Massachusetts' case, they don't even have state tournaments anymore. Yeah. So um, two-part question. What makes a Hall of Famer in your eyes? Uh, I think longevity. I mean, you've got to be around the game for a while, um, you know, be part of the game. Um, even if you're someone that just promotes the game, uh, someone that's been around, someone that's bold, um, you know, obviously winning tournaments, you know, stuff like that, being being successful that way. Um, as far as this generation goes, it's tough because, like you said, we don't have any of those TV shows. Massachusetts doesn't have state tournaments, you know. So where do you where do you start with with those guys? Um, and I think as far as it goes, it's, it's winning tournaments, um, world titles, and just and things like that. Because it's it is it's tough with this generation to have some type of portfolio, I guess as you would call it, mm -hmm. of what you've what you've done. And it's for this generation not easy to have all that ready and available because i mean those guys were bowling tv shows every weekend back then um you know pro series events every weekend you know or you know whatever they did so you had more opportunities to showcase yourself whereas now with our generation you're not really promoting yourself as much you're just you're bowling your leagues you're bowling your state tournaments and then you get your one year or one week a year at worlds kind of showcase yourself there because i mean i guarantee you not very many people knew who I was three or four years ago, you know, and just started bowling and, you know, kind of got myself out that out that way. Cause I mean, my first worlds was 2014. So, I mean, I really haven't been doing it. Yeah. 2014 was my first worlds. So Seriously? hasn't been that, hasn't been that long. Yeah. 2014. God damn. You're young. <laughs> okay. Brian, how about you? Um, as Chris said, longevity is a big one. Uh, doing, you know, consistent top-tier performance year after year for an extended period of time, being in the top, you know, 5% of the the group of, you know, that you're bowling with. Just constantly, you want to be the guy that... A Hall of Famer to me is the guy that walks in and all of a sudden he's two pins better than everybody because they know he's there. You know, that type of bowler. Um, but... This generation, it's going to be tough, you know, Chris and I's generation, because there's not a lot of tape on us for people to watch, and we don't have as much to bowl with, but or to bowl, you know, in. We have a few tournaments here and there, and then, like he said, the Can-Am and the Worlds and the Mixed Worlds. Those are the three right. showcases, as you will, in bowling. And I think the future going forward is going to be really good because of this social media and recording the game and 
you know, the Friday night pro league stuff's usually on Facebook every week. Those videos don't go away. They, nothing on the internet ever totally disappears forever. So, you know, people are at least taking the time, even if it is just Facebook live, you know what? Somebody throws a 200 on one of those that all of a sudden is a part of our sports history. And someone recorded it just because they want, we all like to watch bowling. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think that is a good thing. If social media does one good thing, it's that. I, uh, I, I will agree with both of you. Um, it's the, the longevity has to play a part. Um, you know, we all know people that have been truly successful in the game of Candleton Bowling for two or three years. And then you don't hear from them again, or they turn to other things, or they only bowl a league now, and they just don't care anymore. Um, you know, to me, that's no different than, than like the Baseball Hall of Fame. You watch the Baseball Hall of Fame, you watch the induction ceremonies, most of the people that are inducted into that had a very long career and were very successful over a long period of time. Um, so I would agree that longevity and having a successful longevity um, matters. Um, you know, you take someone, you know, you take like a like a Russ Neely. Um, and we all know Russ. We all, you know, I, yes, I watched Russ Bull in his prime where you guys really didn't get that opportunity. Um, but Russ was successful in the 70s. Russ was successful in the 80s. He was successful in the 90s, and he was successful into the 2000s. You know, he had a 30-plus year run. Charlie Milan was 50 years. Uh, Craig Holbrook has been 30 years. Um, these guys, that to me is a Hall of Famer. Um, I struggle with someone, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I am, I am nominating my sister for the Hall of Fame. Um, and the only reason I struggle with that is because she quit at a young age and she doesn't necessarily have the longevity as a Joanne Rosano or a Deb Regan or, you know, a Nancy Bestel or Janet Pock or, you know, or Judy Bowden or any, you know, any of these bowlers, but there's no denying her level of greatness from a 10 to 15 year stretch. She Barry Sanders did. She did. I mean, not yes. If you want to use that analogy, um, Barry Sanders to me is arguably one of the best running backs to ever run, you know, ever played in the NFL. Um, but when he got done, he got done. Um, and that was like my sister, you know, so I look at longevity. Uh, the metrics question is a little bit more difficult. Uh, but Brian, you bring up a point of um, social media and you bring up, you know, going live, Facebook live and things like that. Um, I know I've got to talk to Rusty again. Rusty has approached uh, has approached me and I've approached Brian about uh, doing a show, doing a yep. YouTube bowling show. Yes. Uh, and that is something that I know Rusty and I have talked about. We've got to get back to talking about it more serious now that. The vaccines are starting to roll out, so hopefully by the fall we can have an actual bowling show. Different. It won't be on TV. It's going to be on YouTube. So these types of things, um, 
You know, I, again, great question, Brendan. Um, it's a very difficult answer, but I, I, ultimately it does come down to, uh, I feel, is um, longevity and being being at the top of the game for a long, long period of time yeah. versus a, you know, I'm not going to call it a flash in the pan, but, you know, Chris, you're young enough and you've had some success at a, at a, at a young age where if you got done right now, I mean, is that really a Hall of Fame career? No. Not no. Of course. Right. Um, however, if you continue the progression that you've had for the next 15 years and you're in your, you know, you're now in your late 40s, now you've got to be in serious consideration for that, for that type of honor. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. You know, um, this is, Hall of Fame is, there's, you know, Brian and I have talked about it, the Hall of Very Good. Um, <laughs> it doesn't mean you're not a great bowler. It doesn't mean you're not a great baseball player. It doesn't mean you're not a great basketball player, whatever sport you're in. You know, thousands of people have gone bowling, have, have bowled. Millions. Thousands. Millions. Yeah. Just because, you know, to me, the Hall of Fame needs to be someone that that's, has, has stood out. Yeah. So, agreed. Good, good question, Brendan. Thank you for asking. Um, Chris, tell us a little bit about uh, now that we have you on. Uh, okay. Tell tell us a little bit about uh, Chris Merrill. What's uh, when did you start bowling? Where do you? Well, we already know where you started. No, not so, not the full story because my yeah. I uh, I start I started when I was four years old, so it's been twenty eight years of bowling already. Um, my grandfather actually ran Beacon Lanes out in Raymond. I don't know if you ever bowled there, Tim. Oh, Beacon oh Lanes. God, I loved Beacon Lanes. I I actually have won a couple of tournaments there. Um, yeah, my grand my, my yeah my grandfather ran that for a little while. Who, who's your uh, grandfather? Wilbur Merrill. Really? Yeah. I, I don't I know the name. I don't know as if I ever met him yeah. because it was uh, uh, Pam <laughs> that okay. that ran it when I. Really got into it. <laughs> Brian's got a question. Did, did you really just question if he if he like knew his grandfather? <laughs> like you were like, really? Well, yes, Tim. Oh my god, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean it that way. Oh, I know you didn't mean it that way. Uh, but you really did know your grandfather. Wow. Yes, yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. But no, I uh, I grew up Beacon Lanes. I don't recall a lot of it um i can kind of remember the layout but i don't think i really ever bowled there i just remember being there because my grandfather kind of ran it for a little few years um and then you know auburn lanes was a big part of my my youth uh they closed in oh four i think it was oh four auburn lanes closed yeah um so i had two years left in youth league we ended up going up to gardner up to lucky strike lanes um and i finished two years there why not lisbon falls I don't know. Honestly, um, my dad actually started bowling up in Gardner in some adult okay. leagues. So we ended up just going up there the last couple of years of youth league. Um, and I keep telling people, you know, it's probably a bad omen that I go to their bowling alley because Auburn Lanes is closed. Uh, Lucky Strike Lanes is closed. We went to Lisbon. Lisbon's closed. So I don't really have a good track record of bowling alley stay open when I bowl at them. So You know what? Then here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Where do you want me to bowl, Tim? No, because 
it was the, I can't remember if it was Jeff Lapierre or Jason Sparks. One of them said that I'm no longer allowed to set a lane record someplace because every time I set a lane record, that alley closed. <laughs> Gardner, Lisbon yeah. Falls. Yeah. So, and then, so yeah, so we're blaming it on you. Okay, I'll it take comes it. Off, right. It comes off of me. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, no, no. I mean, I just, we started bowling Lisbon, kind of go back into it a lot more. Um, and then, you know, we kind of help you get spare time going over in Lewiston. Yep. You know, they put lanes in. We, we were there a couple of years. Uh, then we went up to, we've been up to Stars and Strikes ever since. And, you know, Russ and Jody took over and probably the two nicest people you'll ever meet in your life. Um, you know, and they've, they've been good to us. And I enjoy bowling out there. I, I, I give Rusty and Jody, um, a ton of credit for what they've done with with stars and strikes absolutely you know it obviously stars and strikes holds a very special place uh in my heart because that is my that is truly my home lane that's where i grew up bowling um rusty you know rusty's rusty's father bought it when i was 16 i think um and really turned it into what it became um, so I, I was really happy to see Rusty and Jody uh, continue that tradition with that. Yeah, no, they, yeah, they've done a great job with it. Yeah, yeah and I, I know they're not done. There. You know, no, they're not I, done. No. Nope. Um, you know, Rusty, Rusty, oh, food is good. <laughs> and cold beer. And cold beer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the all nighter tournament is always fun. Uh, it's the best tournament. So, Chris, what's your uh, Give me a couple of your favorite memories from bowling. Uh, the one that probably sticks out the most it was my first Worlds. Um, you know, going into that, I was probably the most nervous I've ever been bowling. Uh, and then I can remember we, we were out of the playoffs, and it was our last match. We were bowling A-plus. It was the third string. And I said, I'll go anchor. Why not? Not hmm. thinking anything. Not thinking anything of it. And it comes down to the last two boxes. I'm bowling, you know, Harnett. And little did I know, Craig Holbrook, John Winchell are in the back watching because the buy's on the line, this last string. And A-plus is, you know, got got the buy right now. And I am shaking in my boots. I have no idea how, I have no idea how the ball made it down the lane. Um, you know, and I, I left the triangle in the corner. And I ended up picking it up. I think I loaded it with like a six and that gave, you know, Maria's the, the buy and knocked a plus out of the buy. And I still, to this day, have no idea how I picked the triangle or kept the fill ball on the lane. You know, that's, that's probably my first memory of, of worlds was that. And I'm like, I have no idea how I just did that. It's so that was probably, it's yeah. a fun feeling though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. After I stopped shaking. Yeah. No, I, I, and I'll, t- I'll tell you, Brian and I have had this conversation many times in, in the truck on the way to tournaments and stuff um, about adrenaline and yep. that feeling of, of a ball being this light, just, you know, yes. a two-pound, seven-ounce ball, two-pound, six-ounce ball, and yet it feels like it's about a pound. And, right. Oh, yeah. You know. You know what though? I I would I would rather need to throw a strike to win than have to get one pin to win, because then you you know you get that one pin you're like oh oh I just gotta keep it on the lane I you know what I'm just gonna just get it on the and all of a sudden you throw it in the corner and 
you might get one or you didn't. Um, I'll argue that one. <laughs> I'll take I'll take my chances of having to keep it on the lane for a pin versus having to throw a strike. <laughs> Call me crazy, but uh, if you sat back and said, "Hey Tim, uh, one pin to win," you know, I just threw the mark to tie. You know, mark to tie one pin to you know whatever. I will take my chances that that I'm going to keep it somewhere between the 10 pin and the 7 pin. I would too. I would too if I threw a 4-7 pocket strike to win the Worlds. <laughs> I don't care. Dude, I I literally, that's the best ball I've ever thrown in my life. Best feeling ball you have ever no, thrown. No, it's the best ball. Dude, it went for a strike. It doesn't matter how they fall. The goal of the bowler is to knock all the pins down. I knocked all the pins down with one ball. To, to, oh. to, to seal the win. <laughs> Yay me. Um, what else, Chris? What, what other, uh, what other uh, numbers do you have? For a lot of it's just been recent, you know, like high average at the Worlds, never in a million years, you know, would have thought that. Um, I can remember sitting in the hotel room the night before the Friday and, you know, Thursday night, and I was looking at it, and I think I was sitting in ninth place. And I can remember I talked to Aaron that night and I looked at her. I said, I'm going to go give it a shot. What the hell? You know, what do I got to lose? And I think I went 400 over 400 both matches on Friday and, you know, ended up finishing with a high average. And like I said, I would have never in a million years thought I'd finish with a high average at the Worlds. See, I wasn't on your team then because I got kicked off the team that, <laughs> that year. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Tim said. Yeah, yeah. I'll, take, I'll take the tag team. It's all right. Yeah, I'm just just to let you know, I I I, I was rooting for Cole because I was kicked. Ah, uh, yes, I'm I'm sure you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what's your, Chris? What hey, you don't have a 200 string yet, do you? No, highest is 195. Where'd you get that? 1710. I bowled a league up there up in Augusta. Okay. I bowled a league. I started I started off triple strike, spare strike to start the half. So I think I ended up one, I think it was 117, I think at the half. And then I went spare in the sixth, spare in the seventh, and good old seven box in the eighth. And then spare in the ninth, spare in the tenth, at 195. So, so I nice. only I only bring this up because you actually just, that's really cool that you went triple open strike. So I know you can't really see that. Uh. But... <laughs> But can you see that that went triple open strike as well? But I but I didn't go open. I had a spare in the fourth, so that makes it even worse. No, you said you went triple open strike. Oh, I went triple spare strike. Oh well, fuck that then. I can't show you these because I suck. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I think I, I got a one ninety five. One, well, I think a one ninety two. I think I got two one nineties. Um, okay. No, no two hundreds yet. Did you have a chance at two hundred with that one ninety five? Um, I did. I did until I had the seven box. I had the seven box in the eighth frame. Okay. But, and then I went spare, like spare eight, spare nine fill or something for one ninety five. Okay. Brian, what's your what one eighty one ninety one eighty eight one eighty eight. Yeah. And that was, and I had a junk front half because I threw a four bagger to open the the back half. That was that at Oakland Park? No, that was in Bangor. Oh. 
I threw. I, I've only ever thrown three four baggers, and they were all in the span of eight weeks in three different bowling alleys. I threw one in Bangor. I threw one in Old Town. I threw one in Oakland Park. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> I've thrown. I've thrown two four baggers and never had a chance to throw a fifth because they were always at the end of the string. Oh, oh that's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I I do not have a five bagger, um, and I only have four four baggers. People, I, yeah. I just don't. I don't throw a lot of strikes, and people laugh at me when I say that. But I really don't. I'm not a, yeah. you know, I, I I just typically don't. Um, and I was with I was bowling against you in the once a month league when you set the lane record at uh, one seven ten. One seven ten, yeah. For three strings, would you go four eighty something? Four eighty seven. Yeah, yeah. That I, that that ass beating hurt a little bit. <laughs> and then I. Uh... I've beaten that since. Went four ninety two stars and strikes. I tried to catch it, Timmy. Yeah, well, you didn't. And I that's didn't. Really all, that's really all that matters. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's funny. That's funny. Um, so we are running up against the end, but we're going to keep going for a quick second because before we got going, we talked about. Um, the conversation on Facebook right now about generations. And if you put, you know, the best of this generation up against the best of the last generation, um, who would win? And Brian, I think you said something that you had that conversation with Chip. Yeah. Chip, Chip said it wasn't close. It was back when we were in Bangor and we, it's on, it's on one of our early podcasts. He says it's not close. I don't see. I don't re- that was in the that, bar. It was in the bar. It was yeah, the I, think bar. I, I, I think I remember that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's kind of think about this real quick. Who would you put up as your five from the older generation? Charlie. Yeah. Chip. Yeah. Ross. Yeah. AJ. AJ. Yeah. You. Timmy? So you're gonna you're gonna make me old. So you're gonna put me with the old, with the old guys. Well, you'll be fifty this year. I know I'm old. Be over the hill. Okay. So those five. You, you're still one of the younger guys on your team. <laughs> you're you're one of the younger guys on your team there for the five best. You know that we just wrote down. You're, you're one of the younger guys there. Oh, I am the young guy there. <laughs> uh, and of those. Uh, I lost to two of those guys in the finals of the elimination. One having a heart attack, so that was nice. <laughs> but you, uh, you had a, your your foot hurt. My foot. Hurt. I had torn ligaments in my foot. Okay. The other guy was dying. The other guy was dying. It's not a heart attack. But at least he can push off. I couldn't push off. So anyway, so okay, so Charlie, Chip, Russ, AJ, and you're gonna put me in there. Fine. Who do you got the five now? Chris, what do you think? Uh, you got to go Purdy. I think yep. Brian Purdy. Um, Mark Carrier. Yeah. I know we say Evan lives in Massachusetts now, but you probably got to go Evan. We'll put Evan in Maine. Uh, I guess you got to put myself in there, yep. I guess. And who's the fifth? Oh, I don't know. Cole? Cole? Because we're talking Pro- about yeah. Yeah, I would I, I would say Cole. He's probably 
Easy, probably top three bowler right now. Easy. Okay. So just for the record, we have Morrison out of this only because he's not bowling currently. Correct. And he's ten years and he's ten years younger than me. Okay. Yeah. And we don't have Nate in here, but he's not bowling at all and hasn't for years. So those five guys, the generation before, against this five now, when those five are in their prime, I know where I'm going. Honestly, I mean, I'm in that younger group, but I still say we get beat by 50 or 60. Honestly, I really do. I mean, watching just videos of some of these guys bowl, I mean, it was 135, 140 on a consistent basis. That's I, I can come out and say that. You know, we probably get beat by 50 or 60. I Chip's think. Chip's at 200. I don't well, think. I, well, I think Chip, Chip's, Chip's a bit much. Yeah, Chip's I, a bit I, much. I, I, think Chip, I, think, I think Chip's wrong. Um, yeah. I, think, I, I think it all depends on how the first string goes. If it's close, I think they're slowly just, the older generation is just going to pull and pull and just, they're going to widen the gap because right. the young generation is going to get frustrated chasing. I just know how, like, our generation thinks we don't we get frustrated quickly when you start punching and you don't get breaks. I think that the thing that is going to make them, make the older generation the better single pin pickers. I mean, Charlie has a 14, 1429 at Oakland Park, and they said he left three pins on the plate and 10 strings. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll I mean, tell you, that was... Everything that, was nine and tens and spares. That, and, that was yeah. absolutely 100% ingrained in me by Russ. Um, when I started... I mean, I've been bowling since I was three years old. Um, when Russ bought it, he kind of took me under his wing and really worked with me and everything else. And that was the one thing he said is, he goes, this, this game is never about strikes. He goes, I will put, I will put myself up against a strike bowler 10 days a week and win all 10 because he's going to pick them to death and he's going to pick his single pins. And, you know, it's just how it, it's just how it was. Um, the guys today, and this is a generalized statement. I would classify a lot of them are more chuckers than they are bowlers. I'm not saying Chris, I'm not saying you, I'm not saying Mark, you know, whatever. Right. No, but, it, no. but, it, but it truly is uh, the big difference between years past and, and now, in my humble opinion. Is that a product of guys bowling 50, 60 strings a week to now we bowl maybe six strings a week if we bowl two leagues? And, oh, there's a tournament, we get to bowl tag strings. Like, you know, get guys made more single pins and stuff because they, they pulled a lot more. No, probably. No, I think you're right. Absolutely. Pro- probably. Yeah. Uh, there, was more to, there was more to bowl for back then, too. Um, the prize money was a hell of a lot bigger. Uh, bowling alleys took less in lineage. So you could put more money into the prize fund because the prize money was it, bigger. It was a, you had it was a local event. I can remember Rockland Family Bowling Center when we'd have a marathon. People who didn't even really bowl, like they may bowl a league, would show up all day. That was their entertainment for the the Saturday. They were going to watch the pro bowlers come in and bowl the marathon. It was like a yeah. soccer match. It was awesome. Yeah. 
You don't have I, that you, anymore. You you know, I, I've said it before. My first year bowling in the main Pro Tour, 1991, I think it was. One or two, one somewhere in that range. Um, there were 105 guys from Maine bowling in it. Um, the first year I won Pro Bowler of the Year, there were 80 guys. Now, if you if you if we tried to put a pro tour together, we might get 20, 15, 15, 20. Absolutely. Yeah. Because honestly, you're going to get those you're going to get those bowlers uh, that don't think that they can compete with Chris or Mark or Cole or something like that. And they won't show up. Back then they'd show up because they could be like, well, if I don't win, if I come in fifth. I still make a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, I think Steve Steve Reno has been posting a bunch of stuff on on Facebook, and you know, you finish tenth place, you you're still making you know hundred bucks. Yep. You know, you finish tenth. Yep. Now, you know what, Brian? What did when we won the states this year? What did we get the singles? Two hundred thirty-five bucks. Two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. Two thirty-five, two fifty, somewhere in there. Some somewhere in that range. Yeah. You know, when I won a Pro Tour event, I, I got 750 bucks. Wow. That was worth it to bowl. The year I won the Pioneer 2 Men's League in Augusta, the Thursday Night Men's League that used to, it was amazing. Uh, 2004, 2005, I left the bowl or the banquet that night. And I left with $650 for winning the league. And I was a freshman in college, so to me that was like this is amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, my whole month is set, and about you know ten days later I was broke. But oh well, college life. You know, it's I I don't know I, uh, I I I'll tell you right now though I would I would Chris I would have loved to see you be able to bowl against um, AJ, yeah, Russ, Chip, you know Chip in his prime. Right. Um, hell, even I'll even say me in my prime. I would love to. I would love to see me against you. Um, I mean, it'd still be a fun match. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. It, it really would be a fun match. Um, you know, I would. I would always put my money on me, just because that's. Well, you have, you have you have you have to. But the the smart money right now would be you know put the money on you, um, and I I say that. Because I am smart and I know my limitations, so but I'd still beat you. That's okay. Hey, whenever you're whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready, buddy. Whenever you're ready. Well, do we? I don't want to bowl the old style where we just pull ten strings in a row because I am. Tim, I am, Tim will die. I will die. <laughs> I am too old. Um. But but I would be I would be uh, I, I'd be happy to bowl you. All right, no no, we'll huh? do it Easter classic style. You're gonna bowl ten and then eat a ham dinner and then bowl the next ten. No, no, <laughs> no. But I would bowl, I would bowl Chris. I would I would absolutely bowl one on one against you in a match, five or ten strings. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Oh, we'd have, we'd have a good time with it. Whenever you want to do it, we'll do it. We'll meet halfway. We'll do it in Augusta. 
We'll do it. Hell, we'll uh, do it a star strike. No, I figured we'd be bring back Auburn Lanes. Maybe we can do it there. Ten strings at Auburn Lanes, and then neutral ten strings house. at the place I want. Hey, hey, neutral house, Freiburg. No. I've I've bowled there once. I have bowled there several times. Um, I have a state title there. I should be happy with that place. Timmy finished third one year in the states at eleven fifty six. Go Tim. Um, anyway, we we gotta we gotta wrap it up. Uh, yep. Chris, thank you. Uh, it, this has been fun. Uh, no, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. It's been fun. Appreciate having you on. Um, we will uh, we will have you on again at some point and. Uh, when we get a chance, Brian and I will talk to Rusty. Uh, we'll start working on that uh, bowling show. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, maybe the three of maybe the three of us can do some type of, of you know tag team announcing some type. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Russ has Russ has mentioned it to me before. We've we've definitely talked about it down this way already. So yeah, cool. That uh, that works for me. Uh, people thank you for listening we appreciate it as usual find us uh, uh find us on facebook uh questions please send us your questions ripping the rack podcast at gmail.com uh ripping the rack podcast on facebook find us on youtube at ripping the rack podcast you can find us on twitter at ripping the rock pound ripping the rack podcast uh brian where else can they find us well, Tim, they can find us on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and wherever else you consume your podcast media. Guys, really appreciate it. This was fun. Um, have a great week. Take care, guys. Stay safe. <laughs>